Housing for the Aged Action Group, Haig for short, a housing group for older people run by older people. Present Raise the Roof! We advocate for secure, affordable and appropriate housing. So listen up on the second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 5.30pm on 3CR 855 on your AM dial. That's right, you're listening to Raise the Roof, the Housing for the Age Action Group show here on 3CR, 8.55am. My name's Shane. Uh, Often on this show, I'm joined by my co-worker Fiona. Uh, Fiona couldn't be here today, so I've invited Hag's other Fiona to join us. Uh, How are you doing, Fiona? Pretty good. I'm pleased to be here as Fiona 2.0. The the, the Fiona (laughs) representative on this week's program. Uh, So everyone is getting their their quota of Fiona content, uh, even though Fiona, the other Fiona is away at the moment. Um, Can you tell the listeners what you do at HAG? Um, So currently I work in the retirement housing team um, and then also facilitate two of HAG's working and reference groups. Um, Before that, I started here as a student, which I think I've realised this is my fifth year. Hmm being at HAG after finishing my student placement doing social work. So um, that was a bit of a, um, when I counted the years, I thought, mm, interesting. Um, yeah, so I, in over my time with HAG, I've done, um, I guess, followed, shadowed lots of different workers to kind of see what everyone does when I was a student and then worked on the intake team for my placement. So I got to see kind of what it's like when people first make contact with the service. And then now being in the retirement housing team, it's um, supporting people with um, kind of tenancy issues in different kinds of retirement housing types, as well as the group work. So I think it's been really great to see a big spread of what HAG does yeah, was, um, and how HAG works with different populations and clients and members and things like that to understand what it's like for older people in their housing struggles. Yeah, cool. I mean, when I was thinking about inviting you on for the show, I did reflect that maybe you've had like more different roles at HAG, like you've done more different kinds of work at HAG than maybe anyone else. <laughs> I'm a Gemini, so I love to be fickle, so this is ideal. Oh, I see, I see. I'll have one of everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, the first thing that we're going to talk about today is the, the groups that you mentioned that you convene. So, I mean, first of all, can you just tell me what, what those groups are uh, and and sort of a bit about what they do? Um, so, the one that I was facilitating for when I first started is um, called the Retirement Accommodation Action Group, which we all call RAG. Um it's made up of two groups that existed before, um, like historically at HAG. So one was called CARPAV, which is Caravan Parks and Residential Parks Group, and also the Independent Living um, Units Group. And so um, because of um, just reduced numbers in both of those groups, um, we decided to merge them because they have a lot of shared issues, especially after the Retirement Housing Inquiry in 2016, which HAG had a big contribution to mm-hmm. um, the, yeah, so that's one group, and so that's um, people in different kinds of retirement housing. So that could be retirement villages, residential parks, um, lifestyle villages, independent living units, rental villages, and other different kinds of um, weird and wonderful retirement housing types that exist in the sector. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we meet once a month and discuss um, kind of share, shared issues um, across all those types of housing. Um, so that the common issues that come up are um, the need for an ombudsman, issues with um, repairs and maintenance, um, need for more management training, um, simplified contracts, and also more fair fee structures, including exit fees, as well as like ongoing 
maintenance or rental fees that aren't always affordable for older people. It's interesting because they're they're such diverse housing types. But I was going to ask: Are there actually, you know, how how much do they have in common? But yeah, I guess those are issues that affect all all, all kinds of people across those housing those kinds of housing. Yeah, it's one good thing, I guess, um, because each, regardless of housing type, the contracts are so diverse within that. Um, I guess that's the shared thing: is that the, the shared confusion about why the system isn't better. Um, <laughs> especially given, um, you know, the, the amount of older people there are now and that we're an ageing population. It's kind of wild that, um, yeah, that there's not more, more consolidated information on it because it's going to be... Ideally, we're all going to become older people, so um, let's sort Speak it for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my plan is to find the fountain of youth, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, <laughs> and, sorry, what's the other working group or the other group? The other group is the um, LGBTI reference group. So that was originally started. Um, um, I took over facilitating from a, um, a colleague, Rebecca Walton, who was um, yeah the original facilitator and um, the worker that kind of was there at the, um, the beginning of the project. So that was a group um, that was started um, when HAG was getting its Rainbow Tick accreditation. Um, so as well as having a steering committee of um, organisations that are peak bodies um, in the LGBTQIA plus community, we also um, gathered a group of older people as a reference group to make sure that the way that we were um, applying the rainbow accreditation and making sure that HAG is a you know a safe, sensitive, understanding place to come to. Um, we also wanted to make sure that we had the voices of older people in there. So what we're doing um, is what they need, as opposed to um, yeah, speaking with people, not for people. Um, mm-hmm. It's so important to how HAG has always operated. Um, yeah. So that group is, um, yeah, currently meeting also once a month. And at the moment, the group members who haven't already gone through the training are all being trained to become community or peer educators, which is really exciting. So then all the content that they've been making with Rebecca Walton, um, which is the key messages about, you know, what people need to know to understand the housing issues for old LGBTI people and support um, people in the community that are older and experiencing housing stress of how they can get linked in and get the support and inf- information they need um, to find, you know, housing for the rest of their lives. Um, so that'll be great when everyone's trained and we can start going out and finding places to, um, yes, yeah, spread the word and get out into the community or on Zoom in the community, depending. So I guess... sad laugh. Indeed. Um, so I guess that ties into something I wanted to ask, like, because we are, you know, you're here partly because we'd love to get more people involved in these groups and hopefully some of the listeners will be interested. What, like, what's actually involved for the members in, in both of those groups? Like, what, what, what are they actually doing? What's the time commitment? Uh, what sort of, you know, what, 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 yeah, what's involved? Um, so I guess, um, to be involved, um, you have to be a member of HAG, um, you have to be um, a resident of Victoria, um, especially for RAG, because um, the legislation that covers the different types of retirement housing is not um, not national. So if we had a member from um, WA, what they're going to be campaigning for is gonna be, could be quite different to what we're campaigning for. Um, and um, for the retirement housing, t- um, like the RAG group, you have to be in one of those retirement housing types. You can't be a homeowner or a private renter because, um, yeah, we need the lived experience to really inform how HAG wants to, um, you know, campaign for 
policy change and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the sorry, I've lost my train of thought. Well, um, so the other thing I wanted to ask about was like the the time commitment, or what what are the members of the groups actually doing? Um, yeah, so we meet once a month. The rag meeting goes for uh, about two hours on Zoom. Um, the LGBTI reference group meeting goes for um, an hour and a half on the on the Wednesday afternoon. Um, and we have an hour of, I guess, agenda time where we go through the formal amounts, but also because the group, um, yeah, really connected socially, especially during lockdown. Um, the, we also have a half an hour just like general chit-chat time for everyone to catch up on things like, you know, if we've been cooking something delicious, <laughs> people have been going. Um, we've talked a lot about going, going um, people going to the Victorian Pride Centre and checking out the new, um, the new build there. Um, or if people have um, yeah, got anything exciting happening in their garden on Veggie Patch. Um, yeah, and so I guess in terms of the formal agenda items, um, the LGBTI group has kind of um, did some planning at the start of the year about what we want to do, and I'm like a little bit focused around um, the, the community education training and then what we can do to deliver it afterwards, what organisations to connect to. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of the discussions are kind of um, everybody brings to the meetings different opportunities of like where to get you know, maybe funding to help us um, you know spread the word more effectively or organizations that people would like to connect with that might have shared issues or might you know want to have us as guests to speak to understand things um, and also um, like with the rag group I guess because I've been working with the, that group for longer um, mm-hmm. we have kind of common common goals that we're always like chugging away at like we've been kind of make a website that's a great reference point for current members to go back and think, oh, where's the link to um, that policy thing that I want to make a submission to, or where's the link to the residential tenancy tax? I want to check that section up again. But also send in new members, um, if they're interested, can have a look through and see what we're doing and see kind of what the background documents are that's important to understand. Um, But I guess both groups also operate in a pretty responsive way. So if there is, you know... Um, a submission process that needs to be engaged with that comes up that there's you know a one month turnaround. The groups are also pretty flexible to make sure that we're not missing any kind of um, last minute opportunities to kind of um, make sure that the perspectives of these people with lived experience are going through where they need to. Mm-hmm. And so, if people, if listeners are interested in finding out more or getting involved in these groups, uh, what should they do? Um, so. First step, I would say, is maybe just have um, a look on the website and a look around and see what um, you know what's about both of these groups. The previous reports and things like that is really helpful to orient yourself. Um, become a HAG member, which is free, and you can sign up online as well. Um, and then when you're a member, you get sent out a little list of information about which groups you're like, interested in, so you can do it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, also, if you're not sure yet, you can always um, call up and ask to speak with me. Um, at the, at the HAGS number, um, and we can just have a pretty casual chat about what the group's about, if you've got any questions, um, you know, anything else like that, and just, um, yeah, see whether you think it's a good fit for you or you've got any more questions about the time commitment. Um, in terms of that, too, it's, I guess, you know, if you can, if people can attend regularly, it's probably going to be more helpful because we build on things um, between meetings and there might be an issue that came up in March that's back again in September, so that's kind of helpful for your continuity, but we're also really understanding that people have, like, life commitments, family commitments, you know, health things they need to look after, holidays they might want to go on, now we can go places a bit more. Um, 
So the groups also are pretty flexible in terms of um, how often you're expected to attend um, because, you know, people have got things happening in their lives that um, are important too. Sure. Um, all right. So as always, we'll give out some contact information at the end of the show. So if people do want to get involved, uh, grab a pen and paper or your phone or wherever you're going to write things down and I'll, I'll come back to you at the, the very end. Um, we're going to hear, well, we're about to hear some community service announcements. Is there anything you want to say, anything else you want to say about either of those groups before we uh, hear some announcements? And then we'll come back and uh, talk about some other ways that people can uh, talk about their lived experience. Um, no, I just think it's um, it's really, um, I guess as a, as a worker, it's really nice to be a part of these groups where people are really excited to share and connect and um, brainstorm ideas. I think you just get some really great ways of approaching things and thinking about things when you've got a group of diverse people, um, yeah, working on the same issue. And it's really exciting that um, HAG really values that way of connecting people to the organisation and, yeah, like raising their voices. All right, awesome. Uh, we're back in just a sec. Imagine what it would be like to be homeless in a city under curfew and in lockdown. When your everyday life has been turned upside down and it becomes illegal to be on the street. Tune in to Homeless in Hotels. A three-part radio series giving voice to the people who went from a life on the street to a life in hotels and the support workers experiencing the shifting ground on the front line of COVID-19. Premiering on Thursday, July 28th, 12pm to 1pm. On 3CR, 855 AM. Homeless in Hotels, a 3CR supporter. Get your free ticket to the upcoming Forum for Dwelling Justice, an activist-driven event featuring speakers including Senator Lydia Thorpe, Debbie Kilroy, Rouge Amity, Wit Gari, and more. The Forum brings together grassroots activists and campaign groups to strengthen solidarity movements resisting ongoing colonial dispossession, housing injustice, incarceration, and poverty. The forum ends with film screenings and a discussion between Uncle Larry Walsh, the filmmakers, and guests with lived experience of homelessness, displacement, squatting, and public housing. The event will run from 1 to 7 p.m. on Friday, the 26th of August, at the Capitol Theatre, 113 Swanson Street, Narm. Entry is by donation. Join us to identify the radical potential for resistance to dispossession and displacement in Narm. To register, head to cur.org.au forward slash events or check the 3CR website for details. The Forum for Dwelling Justice is brought to you by RMIT's Centre for Urban Research, a 3CR supporter. Uh, You're listening to 3CR, 8.55am. My name's Shane, and this is Raise the Roof, the Housing for the Aged Action Group show. Uh, I'm here still with Fiona, not my normal co-host Fiona, just another Fiona, Uh, (laughs) our alternative Fiona for this week. Um, So we were talking about how uh, older people can be involved in discussions about, uh, you know, driving uh, HAG's policy work and what sort of changes are needed in retirement housing in particular. And we have a great opportunity coming up. Uh, so do you want to tell people about the, the roundtable? What is it and when is it happening? Um, so the roundtable is 
an opportunity for anybody living in a Part 4A park. So that's Part 4A of the Residential Tenancies Act. They're often called lifestyle villages as well, residential parks, um, to come and speak with um, HAG and also the Residential Tenancies Commissioner's Office about their experience of living in these kinds of parks, the issues they encounter, what they have that's not working well or what's working well, um, to kind of, um, yeah, help these people really understand what it's like to live in these places, especially given some recent review processes like the Residential Tenancies Act review and amendments and the Retirement Villages Act review. Um, people in this kind of housing often feel quite forgotten, um, like their issues are being ignored or not understood properly. Um, therefore, when legislative changes occur, they're left out, um, and so they feel you know, not protected in their, in their housing type when they do have a problem they need to address. Um, the roundtable is on the 24th of August, so three weeks away, mm -hmm. um, and people can register to join up, um, get a bit more information about it. Um, we have a, a link online. You can just sign up that way and let us know what, um, I guess, topics you're most keen to talk about. Um, if, it, you know, if it's a couple, if it's all of them, um, you can sign up that way. Or if you're not really sure um, you know, what type of housing you're in or what you'd like to talk about or what it's going to be like, then you can always call up and chat to one of us to get more of an idea or give, you know, assist you to sign up and register um, that way. Yeah, so it's going to be from 10 till 2 on August 24. Uh, we were hoping to have a, an in-person meeting, but we have been, uh, you know, battered by COVID like everyone else. So we've decided that the safe and responsible thing to do is to, to shift to an online meeting. But there are options for people to phone in if you're not, uh, if you prefer not to participate online. Um, and we can offer you some support if you, you need a little help to, to register or to participate through Zoom. Um, so just wanted to talk a little bit more about what residential parks are. So you said there's a lot of different names for them. Uh, it is quite a confusing space. Uh, what exactly is a residential park is, is not always obvious, um, even to people who live in them uh, or to people who run them uh, who may not know or who may like to pretend they don't know because that way they can get out of doing some things that they're otherwise supposed to do. Uh, basically, a residential park uh, is a park where there are movable dwellings. So you, the, the residents buy these dwellings, uh, which theoretically are movable, practically not so movable, but theoretically you can put it on a truck uh, in less than 24 hours and drive it somewhere else. Um, but they rent the land that the, the dwellings sit on. Um, they really range, you know, from some that are uh, sort of is glorified caravan parks too harsh a term? Not even glorified in some cases. Um, <laughs> no, I think that's not harsh at all. Yes, yeah, um, insufficiently yeah, harsh. Much more harsh than you think. Yeah. <laughs> um, to some that are, are very expensive and, and sort of function more like uh, retirement, you know, for-profit retirement villages. Um, and there are all kinds of different problems that go along with these parks at different places. So we really want to hear about, like Fiona said, examples of things that work well, examples of best practice, um, but also examples of where things in these parks are not going as well as they could be uh, and where change is needed, um, both in what the law is, what protections there are for residents, uh, but also in what options residents have to enforce their rights um, under the law, because uh, 
people often come to us with problems in residential parks. Uh, in many cases, they're not able to resolve those problems. So what needs to change? Is it the law that needs to change? Is it the dispute resolution that needs to change? Is it the uh, enforcement that needs to change? What, what is it that people need uh, to make these places livable? Um, so in your experience, Fiona, because we both work in, like you said, in retirement housing, uh, we, we assist people living in residential parks. What to you are some of the big issues in the space that, that you come across in your casework? Um, I think, I guess to start with, like going off what you just said then um, about people having an issue and there being not being no resolution, that's a really, I feel like quite a common thing is people coming to us and then, you know, we look through the contracts and the issue and any documents and having to say to somebody, I'm really sorry as a person to person, this is really unfair, but there's nothing legally we can stand on to assert your right. All we can do is, I guess, write a letter and hope the management will do something because they have a soft heart, which often isn't the case. I think that's really difficult where I guess the support we can provide is saying, I'm sorry, that's really unfair, um, but that's what all I can do. Um, but apart from that, in terms of like other issues, a lot of it is, um, I guess, people feeling like their management aren't trained to understand um number one, how to manage anything, like do the basic business job of like, um, you know, maintaining things, responding to phone calls, um, you know, speak, being kind to speak to, easy to speak to, um, to the extent of people feeling bullied by their management or management who, um, though these people are living in this type of housing and are independent, have a full life, the management kind of um, talk down to them and quite... Um, paternalistic um, and not people who, a lot of people in the RAG group especially will say that they feel like their management aren't trained to understand how to interact with older people mm-hmm. and make a lot of assumptions about them and their, their abilities and who they are uh, purely because of their age. Um, and then other common issues are often to do with um, exit fees, so people who are trying to leave but um, can't afford to leave because if they left because of getting a, you know, a large fee taken out of their sale price mm-hmm. means that if they left, they would, you know, be at risk of homelessness, they'd be in private rental, um, you know, they wouldn't have any other housing options. And that's really scary if you have a, you know, a big problem you want to leave, you don't like where you're living, but really it's like the better of two evils. That's a really common and difficult issue. Yeah. I mean, to me, the, the related issue that I think is really important is about the, the sale of these dwellings, like a, a connected thing, which is that often uh, this is, you know, a movable dwelling is going to cost you like at, at least tens, often hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, in many cases, it's going to be the, the only or the major asset that somebody owns at the end of their life. Um, when you And when you need to leave, uh, which in most cases is probably when someone either needs to move into residential care or when they pass away, um, the, the best placed person to sell the unit for you is going to be the park owner. Um, in lots of places, you won't be able to find a real estate agent who's willing or, or able to effectively find a buyer for a unit. So you're going to be relying on the, the owner of the park to do it for you. And I think that that tends to really uh, discourage people who have a problem with the park while they're living there because they worry that if they are, if they do arc up, if they do try and assert their rights, if they take the owner to VCAT, whatever it is that they might do to, to protect themselves, that later on it's going to affect the, the sale of their dwelling. 
Um, and that, that connects to another issue. Sorry, I've invited you on as guest and now I'm just in a full-blown rant of my own. No, no, no. Monologues are great. The, um, the, another thing to say is about who we want to come to the forum, uh, the roundtable. So it's obviously it's primarily for, for residents of residential parks, current and former. Um, but there's a group that I would really like to see represented, which is the, the families of former residents. Um, because a lot of those questions about what happens when someone leaves a residential park, I, I think are really important and really key. But uh, it's easy, relatively easy to get information from people who currently live in parks, uh, because we can literally go to a park and, and hand out letters. And, you know, that's where our, our clients and our members are often living. But it's very hard to find people who used to live in a park and can talk to the experience of leaving, the fees, the, the sale process, all of that stuff. So if you are a listener who uh, has had a family member leave a park like this, would absolutely love to, to talk to you about your experiences. Uh, you can come to the, for, to the round table uh, or you can uh, contact us offline, uh, write to us, call us, something like that, uh, and tell us about what your experiences have been. Yeah, going off that too, I think um, in terms of wanting to engage some people, um, a lot of people in, in RAG especially have flagged that um, some people, even if the forum on Zoom, whether you attend on Zoom or by phone, um, you know, is, is for residents and family members of residents and should be a, a place that everyone feels comfortable sharing their issues and what, how they want to see change happen. Um, you know, we're, we're well aware that it, often people are quite fearful of mm-hmm. um, sharing information I mm-hmm. mean, um, you know, worrying that they're the operator will hear or that there'll be another resident who might feed it back to the manager and, you know, people don't always feel safe sharing in a public forum. So if you are someone who really has wants to share your experience but you just think, you know, there's no way I'm going to feel comfortable doing it um, on Zoom, um, you can also get in touch with us um, in writing, a phone call, an email, um, a letter, whatever works for you um, for up to a week after the forum to share what, you know, what... Um, yeah, what you want to share in a way that feels safe for you. So, yeah, if you think Zoom's not an option for your own safety or comfort, then, there's, you know, we still want to hear from you um, that way. Or if you're in the Zoom um, and, you know, we're going to have some breakout rooms on the Zoom, but obviously due to time and the number of people, we might not have a chance for everybody to talk about everything. If there's, a, you know, two or three topics that are really important to you and you only get to speak to one, you can also let us know about your thoughts on the other, the other two um, by email or phone afterwards because we want this to be like a really representative sweep of um, what it's like for people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, look, we're, we're just about out of time, so I reckon it's time now to give out some contact information uh, for the listeners. So if you want to check out the information on our website, that's oldertenants.org.au. Uh, the roundtable, you want to scroll down to the events tab. Uh, I'm not sure quite where you want to go for information about the groups, but I'm, I'm sure you could find it. Uh, if you want to give us a call, uh, either to register, to talk about uh, participating, to share your share your experiences, uh, the number is 03-9654-7389. Uh, you're welcome to ask for, for Shane or Fiona if you're calling about the roundtable or anything connected to it. Uh, or if you want to call us because you're an older person in Victoria with a housing issue that you need some advice or, or assistance with, uh, the best number is one 765 178. Uh, so again, those numbers for the roundtable and for policy stuff, 9654-7389. Uh, and for housing support, housing assistance, 1300-765-178. Uh, 
Uh, or if you want to give us, you want to email us about the roundtable and its and issues in residential parks, uh, you can email us retirement at oldertenants.org.au, all lowercase. Um, Fiona, we are almost out of time. Is there any last words that you want to share with uh, our listeners? Um, no, no, no other words. Just um, yeah, if you want to be a part of one of the groups or want more information about what it's like to be a part of one of them, then you can just call and ask for me. Fiona 2, otherwise known as Fiona Waters. Um, you can call on the policy number that Shane just shared. Um, and yeah, happy to have a chat or email with anybody who wants to know more about the group. All right. And listeners, please do call 3CR and let us know which Fiona you prefer. Uh, maybe there'll be a, a revolution. We'll depose the old Fiona. No, no, I, I kid, I kid, because I know Fiona York will be listening. <laughs> Fiona, yeah, we want you back. We want some angry text messages being like, you're fired. That's right. Um, all right. Well, we're going to finish up with a song. Uh, going to here from Alicia Joy. This is Let It. Thanks very much for listening. We'll be back in two weeks. Bye. I am only the weight of my words and they pull me deep